Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Austin Pressey here with Richard Hornby for Automotive Photography Education, and uh, we're going to dive into this week's episode. I hope you all enjoy. How and when did you get into photography? So how how's kind of a funny backstory. Um, my kid's mom and I, we decided that, you know, we just weren't going to work out anymore. So I needed a hobby. I needed something to fill my time. Because, I mean, we were together for six years, you know, like you don't just walk away from a relationship and be like, nah, everything's hunky dory. Yeah. I've got all these releases, you know, no, it, it was more of a coping mechanism than any, than anything. And that was last February. And I bought the camera towards the tail end of February. Um, so instead of like divulging into booze or other substances or anything like that, yeah. it was just kind of, it was my form of therapy is how that all Insane. came about. The same for me, bro. Like, I, I used to be, uh, I guess you can just say I smoked way too much weed and I drank way too much booze <laughs> before I got into <laughs> photography. And it was kind of the same thing for me. It's like, it's it's what got me to quit. And it's why I want to help other people, like, learn as yeah. much as possible about it, you know? Yeah. And what's um, crazy is, like, a lot of people don't realize that photography can be ther therapeutic. Very 100%. therapeutic. It, it's, it's something that therapy. eats up your time. Yeah, it's exactly. It's art therapy. It eats your time up. You know, like if you're having a down day or something, grab a couple albums or a couple photos or something and start working on them and editing them. And you'll realize that a lot of your anxiety and a lot of your, your feelings that you've tried to push away, they'll come back, but you can take them and smooth them out over the, the photo. You can edit it as heavy or as light as you want. And it really, it does become a form of therapy it's crazy man like in the last month or so because we've been on strict lockdown in ontario here i just my i felt my anxiety climbing back up to areas where it used to be before i was into photography because i literally i can't get out and shoot i'm sick of looking at the same pictures i shot last year and it's just i don't know man like i can't get into the landscape or the, the animal stuff it's literally all i want to shoot is cars and i just can't do it so yeah I don't know, my brain's suffering a little bit, but it is what it is. It'll open back up eventually. Oh, for sure. As long as you make her through it, at least, I guess. Yeah, as long as you get through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the same sort of topic, but it's it, more about what you actually shoot. How did you get into shooting cars? So my first deal I ever shot was my buddy's Cadillac CTSV. He's got a 2012 CTSV sedan. And we had started building it earlier, well, I guess later in the year before. Um, he actually drove all the way up to New Jersey, flew to New Jersey, bought it, and drove home in it. So it was. It ended up being like a 20-hour drive. Jeez. So then we started building it, you know, putting go-fast parts on it and stuff like that. And then from there, you know, he's like, hey, you got, you got that camera? Let's go shoot the V. I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but we'll do it. So then, you know. One shoot turned into two shoots, which turned into a third shoot, which then turned into, hey, I've got a bunch of buddy, buddies that have CTSVs. Let's get all of us together and let's go all shoot all the Vs. I'm like, cool. And then that's kind of how I got known was for shooting Cadillac CTSVs, which was, I guess I created my own niche by having one friend with a V. Yeah. So kind of just happenstance of it. It just ended up in it. Did you were you like into cars at all before you started shooting them, or was it kind of just like a, a buddy? Yeah, I was into cars, but more of like the classics. You know, I, I didn't care about the go fast parts. 
you know, it was more like drive by and be like, oh yeah, that's a nice, you know, 57 Chevy pickup or, oh yeah, that's a nice Oldsmobile or, you know, whatever the car was. But then as time progressed, I started getting into the faster cars, the exotics, the, the garage builds. Those are still yeah. to this day, one of my favorite cars to shoot is like some guy that poured all of his money into it and built it in literally his own garage without having a major shop or somebody else do it. And that's what, that's still my favorite thing. Hey, I'm trying to set up a shot with my old man. And that's exactly what he does. And he is the hardest sell of anyone you'll ever meet. Like it's impossible to get together and shoot with. So <laughs> eventually you'll see a Willys with a massive Hemi in it as one of my shoots, but who knows when it's going to happen. Yeah. That'll be cool. That'll definitely yeah. be different. It's a, it's a very cool car. It's like a, I think it's a 55 Hemi and a 33 Willys. And it's like a gasser, so a straight axle car. Oh, sweet. Like the, yeah, just like the front end since it's all high and everything. What's, uh, what's some of the most important lessons you've learned while you've been doing photography? On the track, be aware of your surroundings, especially in drag racing. And I'm sure it goes for all other aspects. I'm just speaking on what I know. Dude, I have been in some less than ideal situations. <laughs> um, and I've got, I've got pictures to prove it. You know, I've got a picture of uh, a truck down in Gulfport completely sideways before the finish line facing me. Should not have been there. I should have been tucking tail and running. But <laughs> it was like, oh, I got to get this. Snap, 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 snap. Take off running. You know? And then, um, oh, was it back in... First part of March, um, one of my buddies actually wrecked his 69 Camaro. It was a blown 471 Hemi. Um, he got on the trans brake, let go of it, and half track, him and I were making eye contact, which is about where I was standing was half track. And he made <laughs> his entire pass and finished the race on his door after hitting the guardrail three times. Jesus. God. Yeah. It was uh, it was a little sideways. Was that just too much grip in the one tire, basically? No, actually, it what it looked like was he was out of the groove by about half a tire. And whenever you're putting down, you know, 2,500 horsepower and you're out of the groove at all, like, it's going to yeah. get Western in a hurry. That's and it did. Crazy, bro. Unfortunately, yeah. in the tune of uh, ruining a completely beautiful car. It's done? Like, it's uh, written off or what? Uh, well, the, the tube chassis, the front half is still straight. Like a couple things got bent and broken, um, but it's got to have all new fiberglass. It's got to have all new sheet metal, all new windows, all new struts. He hit the, he hit the wall nose on about a foot and a half from me. <laughs> yeah. Luckily he didn't go over the wall. Cause that, I probably would not be here today if he would have went over the wall. That's hectic, man. Yeah, yeah. By, about the, by about the time I saw that he wasn't getting it straightened back out, I took off booking it. I was out of there. And I'll actually, if you want to see the video, I'll send it to you and if you yeah, want to yeah, cut it in or whatever. That'd be dope. I'd love to see that. Um, for me, like, before I got into this kind of stuff, I didn't realize how dangerous automotive photography really can be, like, in, especially in the racing stuff. And the most dangerous one I think I've seen, which I don't know that I really ever want to shoot again, is motorcycle racing. Because when they come off, like, 
the bike isn't predictable like a car. Like a car, you see it's going to go hit this part of the wall, and that's where it's going to hit. A bike, it lays down, and then it starts flipping and, like, just going all over the place. And It's scary, yeah. man. Seeing one of those bikes come at you is nuts. Like, you yeah, never it's... know. It could come over. It could just keep going down track. Who knows where it's going to end up. Yep, and especially if, like, one of the bars digs into the grass yeah. or the dirt or gravel or whatever. I mean, that turns into a catapult in a hurry. It's crazy. Yeah, they're nuts. I, I watched a guy like get real close to getting hit by a bike so, uh, two years ago now. <clears throat> two years ago, yeah. And ever since, I mean, I wasn't too far from it either, but this guy was way close to me. And ever since I saw that, I was like, I don't know that I want to shoot bikes all that badly anymore. <laughs> um, oh, there's a good one. What's something you wish you knew sooner? I mean, I know you haven't been in it for like a decade or anything, but you've been in it long enough that there's obviously something. Something I wish I would have known sooner. To shoot more. To shoot more than just what's in front of you, right? Crowd interaction, driver interaction. Um, just shoot more. Like, just get out there, shoot in the pits, then working on the cars. Um Top end, oh, I love top end at the drag strip. Cars going past you at 180 miles an hour, parachutes out. My opinion, nothing better. I wish I would have started doing that sooner. That's sick, mate. I mean, like, I, I think that's one of the things I learned really recently as well is just there's so much more to racing than just the cars on the track. There, yeah. And, and I didn't, I mean, actually that came to me more from talking to a, a client, the guy that I'm going to be shooting with this year, that he's telling me, like, the stuff that he wants to shoot. He's like, oh, I, I want to see us in, in the paddock, in the pits, like, actually working on the car and interacting with each other and, and see us up on pit lane and all those kind of things. It's like, God, fair enough, man. Just got to listen to the <laughs> clients sometimes, you know? Like, they know what they want. Yeah. And I feel like that's a pretty common thing. That and detail shots. I wish I would have gotten into detail shots sooner, too. Yeah, that's something I'm more actually going to start working on more is getting the finer details. You know, the inside of the drag car, you know, the roll cage, the steering wheel, the all the little components that not the rest of the world gets to see. I'm very fortunate in the fact that, you know, I help crew with a couple of drivers as well. So I, to me, it's like, oh, this is common knowledge. You know, there's your shifter, there's your trans brake, you turn the bottle on to turn the air shift on to throw the chutes. Not everybody gets to see that. Not everybody's no. gotten to experience that. And so if anything, I'd like to promote more of that and focus less on the actual track. Be sick, mate. I guarantee I would like to see that kind of stuff. And I'm just one person. So I yeah. feel like majority of our industry would probably like to see that kind of stuff because I mean, at least here in Canada, drag racing versus road racing isn't nearly as big of a thing. So like, kind of video and photo is more where we get to see that kind of stuff i mean for me it's a pretty big thing because i grew up around it but for most people i know there's not much races there's not much people that get to see those cars so it's it'd be really cool to see that kind of stuff that you're talking about yeah um and on the drag racing like do you have any recommended settings for people to shoot with like anything that you feel is your go-to stuff or the produces the best photos when you're out at the track well there's there's two or three that really come to mind um one of them being like full sun bright daylight i'm usually shooting like 130 200 
ISO 100 F 2.8, just because I want to capture everything I can real fast. And it wasn't up until a few races ago that I actually started bumping that F stop up to like 5.6. Cause I was starting to notice with my new camera, like some things just aren't in focus the way I'd like them to be. So I just started cranking that F stop up. Um, and that's, that's my main like bright daytime stuff. Once it gets dark, man, it really depends on the track. Some tracks like uh, Baytown over near Houston, you don't have, virtually don't have to change too many settings because it's just as bright at night as it is during the day at the starting line. Like you can see like F8 or 1-800 and then like F3.5, ISO 5 or 600, and it's golden shots. Sun tracks, 1600. 2,500, three grand for the ISO and your shutter yes. speeds all the way down at a hundred and your F stops as low as it'll go, just so you can get some kind of light into the photo. So um, in drag racing, you find it, it's easier to shoot with a bit of a higher uh, shutter speed, like to capture what you're trying to go for. Yeah. And I would say more so for what I was doing, not so much as what I'm like been playing around with, which is motion blur panning shots. Um, I still keep that shutter speed pretty high for like my top end shots and for my uh, starting line shots. But if I'm mid track or if I'm up in the bleachers or up behind the starting line, you know, and I don't mean behind the starting line is like where the crowd is, where they're running the tree at, but up above, yeah. up elevated, I'm shooting pretty high on the f-stop and the shutter speed. Okay. Like a... Basically, unless it's like a side panning shot, it's pretty high up on the shutter speed. Yeah. And even panning shots, I'm 180th, uh, usually F11 and ISOs 200 to 300, depending upon the time of the day. Sounds pretty standard. I mean, I like to go anywhere from like 150th to 1100th. If I find anything over 1100th, you don't really get that wheel blur in racing anymore. Right. Which, I mean, that's one of the things I really like because it. In the kind of racing I shoot, if you don't get a wheel blur, it kind of just looks like the car is parked in the track. Whereas with drag racing, you guys have that however far down the track is, you can, like, or however far down the car is down the track, you can tell where they are. So you can tell it's moving. Yep. Instead of, yeah, which is, yeah, it's sick. Yeah. What gear do you use when you're out there shooting these cars? So uh, for, Let's see, since September up until about a week ago, I was running my 70 to 200, my baby, 2.8 IS2. Lens did not come off my camera. I love it. Same. Could not convince me to take it off my camera. Greatest piece of equipment I think I've ever had. I was in uh, Mississippi the other day hanging out with my buddy. I pulled it out to shoot some, just kind of like some off scenery you know, off the coast kind of stuff. And the motor went out. Um, so now I'm shooting with my 18 to 135. Oh, kit lens. Yep. Jeez, <laughs> because man. to fix that, uh, 70 to 200 is about 1800 USD. You can buy one for that. I got I mine for like 1500. <laughs> That's crazy. I traded, I traded a uh, DJI Mavic 2 
okay. drone for my 7200. Really? Yep. Had a buddy at it. Oh, all day long. Even though it that that lens has probably paid itself off three or four times now. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. you know, my buddy, my buddy was at a race. We were at a big race, and he was like, "Man, I wish I had a drone. I wish I had a drone." And I was like, "You got anything to trade?" He's like, "Oh, I got a seventy to two hundred. I'm like, "We'll do that <laughs> trade." <laughs> How could you say no to that? Like, that, yeah. I mean, unless you're using the the drone every day or as often as you are your camera, it kind of doesn't make sense not to say yes to that. Exactly. And the drone wasn't making me, I had the drone for probably three months and it just wasn't making me the amount of money that I felt it should have, you know, not, especially in the drag racing world. Not everybody's like, Oh, Hey, uh, do a flyover of me doing 180 miles an hour down the track. Yeah. That drone only does 25 miles an hour. It won't. Are you guys allowed to do those above the track? Really? Oh, mate. You literally yeah. aren't allowed to come back to the tracks again where I am if you go fly drone at them. Really? Yeah, just the, uh, I guess it's like from a safety perspective, because if you were to crash the drone into a car, the person might crash the car, right? It's, I don't know. Makes sense. Sounds pretty reasonable to me. Yeah. Um, uh, what, uh, what, what do you think would be your favorite part of the industry? And uh, actually, and your least favorite part of the industry? The photography side of things. Favorite and least favorite part of photography for automotive drag racing. Oh, favorite part is the network. In my honest opinion, yes. I have had it not been for my camera, I don't think I would have met some of the best people in the world. Now, granted, I shoot mainly no prep. So, like, you see the fastest in America shows. You see all those. Those are the guys I get to shoot and hang out with. And those are the guys that call me every once in a while. Like, hey, you want to come to my house and shoot some stuff for me? Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> you know, so- like uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mike Murillo was putting on a new wrap on his car. He's got that, uh, I want to say it's like a 92 Fox body with the Texas flag on it. Yeah, and, yeah I uh, know which one you're talking about. He called me a couple of weeks ago and was like, hey, putting a, putting a new wrap on. Would love to have you come down and shoot it and we'll pay you. To do a time lapse video, I'm like, okay, yeah. rental car. Hey, uh, I need a car for from now till Monday. Yeah. Boom, 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 done on the road. Got to his place. It was awesome, you know. And then uh, being in the pits, getting to hang out with it all the different drivers and talking to them. I can't hardly go to a track and make it from the entrance to the starting line without running into a driver who knows me, which is awesome. Love every bit of bit of it. Not so much for the fame or the notoriety, but more so for, like, I've built a relationship, you know, and whatever those guys need for photography and, you know, whenever I'm at a track that they're at, hey, did you get any good shots of the car? Yeah, I did. Cool. Email them to me. Here you go. Boom, boom, boom. Done. You know, and then they share, they share those photos all over Facebook, all over their websites, all over. And... So that's that's always kind of cool. It's like a, a little pat on the back, like, "Hey, Birdman picked up my photo and shared it on <laughs> on Facebook," you know. But least favorite part, man, that's tough. I love all of the other photographers that I get to work with on a weekly basis. You know, whether it's at my home track, whether it's traveling on the road, but a lot of them, a lot of photographers and stuff, they will drop their entire album like the entire weekend straight to social media. It's like, Hey, leave a little bit kind of hidden, you know? So this way everybody else can make a little bit of money. 
you know, it's like, I'm not mad at you for doing it. It's, it's what works for you. That's great. But this is a full-time business for me. Like I don't have a, I don't have a nine to five the Monday through Friday. My, my job starts Friday at usually at five o'clock in the afternoon and ends sometime the following Sunday or Monday, you know, between taking the photos, editing the photos and distributing the photos to the people that want to purchase them. So that's, I don't know if that's my least favorite, but it's kind of like one of those uh, pet peeves. It's a tough one, man. Like you get all these new people and I was definitely guilty of it when I first started that just want to get their name out there. Right. And, one of the best ways to do it is give your stuff away for free at first. As much yeah. as it might be scary to put yourself out there, like people like yourself, it sounds like you are really good at just introducing yourself and talking to people. Whereas someone like me, I'm not nearly as good at that. So what I have to do is I have to go put my stuff out there and just talk to people about it. I don't know, more so on social media and stuff like that. It's something I'm working on, just like everyone's working on their technical skills i'm working on my social skills i guess you would call it like stuff like this this little show is just another one of those things where i can work on my social skills you know because i'm yeah, never really sure. in the grace with that stuff anxiety is weird bro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was probably at first that was probably one of the hardest things for me was because like you'd you'd walk up to mike miller's trailer or birdman's trailer right and you see these guys on tv and you're like Oh. you know you get you get the the anxiousness about you and like you start acting like a fangirl when really you can walk up and say hey man how's it going my name's Austin Pressy. I took some photos here's here's what I took if you'd like them you know let me know I'll email them to you those guys love that way more than I'm your biggest fan oh my goodness you know from the industry standpoint now fans fans are fans they will walk up and talk to you all day long for you know for those drivers and they love it but for for us in the media side of things like you, you got to carry a professionalism and even if it's your first day you've got to act like you've been doing this for a hot minute you walk up with confidence sure. you know and hey my name is austin pressy i just took these photos um let me know what email to send them to and just start showing them that your work is capable of being something that they want to hang on their shop wall in their trailer they want to share on their social medias and stuff like that how many times did you hear no to that exact thing before you ever heard your first yes well bro yeah a bunch because you're, you're essentially asking to take their hard-earned dollar and put it in your pocket well you can't do that without trust you know what i mean so they've got to trust that your work your delivery system everything like that is going to work and once you start connecting those little pieces then they start calling you hey are you going to be at this truck this weekend absolutely uh or if not no sir i'm not but i can be if you need me to yeah i would love to have you there perfect that's sick bro so it's a, it was a lot of perseverance and just kind of knowing that you just have to keep keep at it and eventually you hear those yeses do you remember who said yes to you first uh it was a couple of my local drivers um actually it was a bunch of my local drivers because i would go and shoot like their bracket racing and their index racing and stuff like that stuff that doesn't really get the notoriety that i feel it does that's a personal opinion though um those those ones they're 
they're your mom and pops, you know, that they, they don't have sponsorships and not all no prep drivers have sponsorships. I don't want to get that convoluted, but they, they're hardworking, red blooded people, just like everybody else. They, they love racing. They love their car. They've put a lot of time, work and money into it. And so they want to have a piece of that race to hang on their wall, you know, and for me, whenever I started, yeah, it was a lot of, Hey, you know, I'll give you 10 photos and for this price, and I'll give you five for free to share on social media or wherever you want, you know, just make it a package deal that really is appealing to them. Make it, make its value for you, you know, like instead of going up and being like, Hey, I've got one photo. I'd like to sell you for 75 bucks. No, you don't want to buy it. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. Be like, Hey, you know, okay. So if I had 10 photos for a hundred bucks, would you do it? Oh, $10 a photo. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. That's cheap. That's sick. Boom. Now you've sold 10 photos instead of selling one. Yeah. You've sold them at $10 a piece, but you've built trust and a relationship with that client. I definitely would say that I do a similar thing. I, if I'm doing like one-off edits, like say a shoot where I shoot the person's car and that's all I'm shooting. And then you have to edit each photo individually and make it so it's like perfect. I'm not going to sell it for $10, but at the races, I do the same thing. Like I'll, I'll sell a whole bunch of the photos together for the price that you could probably get for one or two from one or two people. You get that yeah. many more people that want to pay you just by giving like a bit of a bulk kind of sale. I, I definitely agree with that one for sure. Yep. Do you offer prints as well? Or do you like to just keep it digital? If it can be printed, it's, I try to sell prints. Prints are more money makers. And I understand that not everybody has necessarily the extra 150 to $200 to $500 for a print. Totally get that. That's why I also offer my digital, you know, I, I offer, eight by 10 framed digital or eight by 10 framed prints. I offer 16 by 20 canvas, 16 by 20 acrylic, 16 by 20 wood grain, 16 by 20, you know, basically if there's a medium to print it on, I can print it. And then I go all the way up to 40 by 60. If you want something printed, that's, that'll take up the whole wall. I'll print it. <laughs> you gonna pay for it, but I'll print it. Do you um, have a guy does it or? Um, I have, I have one print guy and then I also have a company that I use to outsource things whenever he gets back up, you know, because he, he doesn't just take care of me. He takes care of, you know, he's got a t-shirt printing company. He's got a sticker making company. He's got, you know, multiple different deals. And so whenever he gets backed up, I'll actually go and Hey, you know, Oh, you're three, four weeks out. Well, you know, I've got a timeline here that I'm trying to match. So I'm going to send it over here to get printed. No harm, no foul. And we just kind of have that understanding. Seems pretty reasonable to me. No. Um, so sort of on the same thing, do you, what, what would you say the biggest thing you do for your community is? Like, how do you help it grow? For the photography community? Uh, just like the, the, I'd say the drag racing photography community and the drag racers as well, just like, because that is your community, right? Like at the end of the day, that's, yeah, that's who yeah, you spend most of your time with, right? Yeah. So for the drag racing photography <clears throat> community, um, anytime there's a race at, 
I say my trek. Um, the track owner has graciously given me a sponsorship spot, you know, and it's four foot by eight foot long, both sides of the starting line, you know? So, and he said, he said, <laughs> that's, this is your track. You go where you want, do what you want. Don't get hurt. Don't get killed. <laughs> you know? And so at the end of every race, I dish out my, I give him the whole album for him to use for promotional videos, flyers, whatever he needs to use those for. That's my contribution back to him for saying, Hey, look, thank you so much for allowing me to do this. He's, he's essentially given me my footing and then it has allowed me to grow it from there. So I allow, with all that being said, I, I'm not, I allow, I don't allow anybody. I give the opportunity to anybody who wants to come out to my racetrack, the track that, you know, is my home track. Hey, if you want to shoot drag racing, come on. You never shot drag racing. Perfect. Come on. You know, and all the big events, I'll be the first one to send out the media, you know, the, the media application form as soon as the promoter posts it. Hey man, we're having this big race on this weekend and just blasting everybody's inbox. Anybody that I know that's in the uh, racing photography industry, I'm sending it, sending it, sending it just to kind of help grow and hopefully spark the interest of somebody. You know, like I had a, I'm mentoring a kid right now. He's 15 years old. Kid's got skills, man. He shot four races, no, three races with me. And then I had to go to Hobbs this last weekend, Hobbs, New Mexico, and shoot a big tire race, no prep race. And they were having index. Dude, that kid's on fire, bro. Like I turned him loose on the track. Not, I told him you cannot go on the top end. I don't want you on the top end. He's 15 years old. I don't want something to get squirrely, him get taken out. I'd feel terrible. But he knows where to go, where to be. I have no complaints. You know, if I can get, you know, maybe once I get him raised up in it and him taking off and having his own foothold and stuff like that, I might take on another one. So this way, this way I can have, you know, if I can't make it to Penwell, he can't make it to Penwell, then I can have a third person. Hey, look, I need you at Penwell this weekend. Or we can all three shoot bracket racing, index racing together. It just helps. And then as far as, as far as helping the drag racing community, there's a couple guys that I, I post a lot of their stuff. Like almost to the point of like excess. I post their stuff just because I like to see their race program grow. Um, I run one guy's social media account. I post in five to six drag racing Facebook pages almost daily. You know, just to kind of help bring more people to it because um, it's not as popular as it was, but with the introduction of no prep over the last five years, it's really started to grow again. Which is what we need. It is, mate. The, the racing community has definitely struggled the last, <clears throat> I don't know, probably 25 years. I remember when I was a kid around here, you got all like, I don't know, IMSA used to, well, actually IMSA still comes here, but used to get like all the big time race series would come out to Canada and race here. And now you get like one big time race series, a few little tiny, I mean, like Canadian only series. And you have regional stuff and that's all we really get we don't we don't have much in canada we're 
when I was younger, I remember there was so much pain. Like people like yourself are what's going to end up bringing it back to, obviously not Canada, but in the area that you're in, make it grow again, which is sick, bro. I love hearing that. Yes, sir. Um, and do you have any future plans on your photography side of things? Like what you see out of your business or even out of yourself for the next, I don't know, say one year? The next year, man, I would almost like to do, and it's going to take a lot, um, maybe do promote a race under my brand and then make it a photographer's invitational. Like I only want the top 25 best drag racing photographers in the country there. You know, just, just something to change it up. Like, you know, right now, if you wanted to go to trying to think where the, where there's a big race at, okay. Wichita falls next weekend. All you have to do is go on to project X promotions, Facebook page or their website go through there, type the media pass, fill it out, name, email, outlet, link your social medias, boom, send. And you'll, nine times out of 10, you'll get an email back within two days. Hey, you've been approved to come shoot our event. Thank you. That's cool. Don't get me wrong. It gets more people into it. But I think having like a, an exclusive or a invitational media event would be kind of cool because it would be hey if you got invited to this they think you're one of the best of the best and have all the big name drivers you know for no prep or it doesn't even have to be no prep it could be 275 radial it could be the world's biggest bracket race you know like the one they have the multi-million or the million dollar bracket race in vegas something like that but have the best photographers in the country there. I think it would be kind of cool. Will that happen? So probably. You, maybe. We'll see. So you'd prefer to have, like, the best people versus – I mean, for me, I'd like to do a similar attract day kind of thing one day as well, but instead of have the best of the best, because those are the people who get all the, the opportunities everywhere as it is already anyways, mm-hmm. I'd want to find, like, the best 25 lesser-known people who might yeah. even be more qual- – or more – talented than the big name people and and have them come to the the races i mean that for me that's the kind of thing i've always wanted because i don't know i've always felt like a a bit of an outsider in these sort of things so i'd like to also be able to help the other people who might be that in the industry like i find some of the most talented technical people are the ones who have nobody that even supports much of their work at all right they're they're the ones and don't get me wrong like i know that sounds how I what I said kind of sounds arrogant or maybe no I get you completely. Away. No, 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 man. Honestly, also having having a maybe an all newbie. You've been photographing for six months or less. Race would be awesome because then you get to see like, oh hey, this dude's like an up and comer. Like hey, here's some things you can work on. You know, stuff like that. I think both both ways would be cool, or maybe even do. A 10 and 10, 10 of the best and 10 newbies. And hey, each each one of you guys that are on your stuff, you pair up with a newbie. And sick. teach, teach the new guy. Show him what you're doing. Don't just brush him off because he's new, because that's what happened to me um, with a lot of stuff. Like in my town, there's 
Well, in my two towns, there's probably 80 photographers, automotive photographers. Yep. Phone's about to die. Oh, no. <laughs> there we go. She died quick. It was at like 70% when we started. So in my town, there's um, there's like 70 to 80 automotive photographers. You know, and like me thinking, oh, I just bought a camera. I'm going to go out and hustle all these clients. Da, 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 da. I started posting on the, the Facebook page. It's like, hey, you know, photographer, want to do some shoots of, you know, whatever. I don't, you know, and then people started well, like, oh, yeah, you're one of 50. Like, congratulations, you bought a camera. Cool. It's like, well, okay, you're right. I am probably one of 50 people in this town that does automotive photography. Great. But I want to be as well-known as you. Well, you'll never get there. Cool. No problem. Uh, Keep grinding. Keep grinding. Keep grinding. Keep grinding. And always grind. Always find your next client. Always hustle. You know, not hustle. That's a weird connotation. But Just work hard. Yeah, just always work hard towards gaining another client. And if you have to sit there and work on a client, and I don't mean harass them. I don't mean shoot them a message every hour on the hour, maybe not even every day. Once a week, once a month, once every other week, something. Just to keep your name at their forefront in the next race, I guarantee you, they'll walk up to you and be like, hey, man, what's going on? You're Austin Pressy or you're, you know, Joe Blow. It's like, yeah, sweet, like. You you know who I am? You know, you get that, like, little giddy feeling about you. Um, oh, that actually I happened. remember the first time. Yeah, go ahead. I was just because I still remember the first time that happened. Like, someone came up to me and they're like, oh, uh, you're that, you release the shutter guy, right? It's like, oh, what? P- people know who my stuff is? Oh, that's sick. It's such a weird feeling the first time someone says it to you, like, you're this person or you're that person or this is your business. It's like, Oh, it's actually getting in front of faces. I didn't even realize that. I just, I don't know, for me, I just want to keep doing photography because at the end of the day, I like the art more than anything else. So it's uh, it's really cool to hear that people enjoy your art. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it blew me, it about blew me off my feet whenever the first like recognized guy was like, hey, how much for a print? I'm like, oh, you want to yeah. you, you give me your money? Yeah. <laughs> Like out of the 30 photographers here, you want one of my photos on your wall? <laughs> Let me get that for you. That's dope, bro. What, what made you decide to pick up a camera and what was the first thing you started shooting? Oh, dude. <laughs> so I was living out in Whistler in British Columbia and I was just snowboarding all the time. And eventually I, I had a whole bunch of injuries. And the, the one at the point that actually got me to pick up the camera was I, was, I, I blew out my shoulder pretty badly. And I couldn't really ride. I couldn't do any of the, the park tricks anymore. So my buddy was just like, hey, man, I got your, you've got your little camera there that you just brought. Because I just, I want to take pictures of the mountains or whatever while I was out there. But I wasn't into photography at the point. He's like, uh, just, just grab the camera and come down the hill with us and take some shots while we're doing whatever tricks we're doing. It, because I like snowboarding so much, I didn't shoot quite as much as I should have. But started out by shooting snowboarding and then that turned into uh, landscapes. And I shot landscapes for like, maybe a year before I really did much of anything with it. And then I went to I went to college for photography, which for me, because of the way I learned, was probably the best thing I've ever done in photography, whereas someone like yourself seems to just be able to pick it up and get, yeah, I don't know, that's crazy to me. Or that's so cool. You can just pick up a camera and teach yourself. Like that. But, uh, yeah, man, like, 
it went from snowboarding to after being back here for a while and growing up around cars, just one day I, I emailed my local track and asked how I could get go about getting credentials to shoot there. And they just gave them for me for the weekend upcoming for a motorcycle racing. And ever since then, I've literally nonstop worked. Like, I, I think I've taken only the time I've been forced to take off from COVID, and that's it. Been shooting nonstop since I started in automotive. I don't know. It's cool. It's been really fun. That's crazy. It changed my life. Yeah. No, and it's definitely like, it's changed mine as well. You know? Yeah, bro. Um, let's see. What do you think was one of your hardest lessons learned? while doing like motorsports photography i'd say it's one that i'm still learning to that you just have to kind of put yourself out there and, and approach the people that you want to shoot with or the companies you want to shoot with and just stop letting your anxiety do the talking for you and don't don't think about it just go up and do it man like i, I have no problem with the art side of things i just keep learning that all the time i have no problem with the the communication from the digital side but it's it's that in-person or phone calls made so it, i'd say the hardest learned lesson is communication my social skills which is kind of weird it might not seem like it's the most correlated thing but it's probably the most important part of all the automotive photography yeah your absolutely skills. yep you're networking how you network and with who you can network i think that has that's played a pivotal point in my career is you just start plugging in, you know, you plug in with this, this bracket racer, and then you, you get plugged in with an index racer and then you get plugged in with a small tire and then you get plugged in with a big tire and then you're shooting funny cars. And then you're, you know, considering going to a top fuel event and you're like, bump the brakes. How did I get here? And then you go back yeah. and look and you're like, Oh, it's because I met this person who introduced me to them and the ladder just builds. And I think that's, that's one thing I try to tell a lot of people is like network and never stop networking. Yeah. Um, the more like 80%. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just kind of like a lot of people ask, you know, like, Oh, what's the best piece of equipment to have in your camera bag? Is it the lens or is it the camera? I would say it's 60, 40 lens over camera body. Cause I shot up until, up until three weeks ago, I shot with a Canon T7. Fair enough. For me, I'm not what you're just... Yeah. Jeez, bro. Good. I was going to say, I'd, in my camera bag, I'd say the most important thing would be my business cards. That too. That's a good one. See, my brain doesn't... You know, and I've like, got... I've got like 250 of them in my bag. <laughs> I just like reach in, grab one, hand it out. Reach one, grab one. Yeah. You know, and That's just it, this man. all the time at the track. At first, it feels so different. Like, I remember the first time I went there, I had so much gear envy towards the guys with these 400 millimeter f2.8 <sighs> lenses that were like worth five times my car. You can have the best camera in the world, it's not going to take you anywhere unless you actually want to be somewhere. Like, listen to what you just said like, $300 camera, and you do photography full time. <laughs> yep, and man, yeah, like. Whenever my 70 to 200 went out, I could have sat there and cried and moped and boo-hoo-hoo. Instead, I was like, I've got to race this weekend. I've got to go. I've got to figure out something. Boom. Camera store, $300, 18 to 135. Boom. Yeah. Throw it in my bag. Haul tail to the track. I could have let the fact that, you know, my 
go to my one lens that I just, and my brain was like, you have to have this lens. Without this lens, you can't do drag racing photography. Even though I was shooting before I got that lens with a 50 millimeter, a 1.850. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jeez. dude. Yeah. That, <laughs> like my 70 to 200, before I got the 70 to 200, that 50 never came off my camera. Never. I'm like, this is great. I can shoot in like almost pure dark. <laughs> Choke was on me. Get a 2.8, 70 to 200. Can't go wrong. But it's such a good. Yeah, bro. It's the, the, if I would say like, if anybody listening or anybody watching or anything like that, if you can afford it, I highly, 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 highly recommend a 70 by 200. It, it, if it's the first gen, the Mark II, the Mark III, the IS2, IS3, um, I would definitely get an IS model. But that lens, the compression, just everything about that lens just makes photos just salty. So good. Beautiful photos. I, mean, I only got mine in the summer last year off of a, a buddy, like another one of the automotive photographers around here. He, actually, he's in the group. is Alex Smalley. And he yeah, has the, dude, his work. He's so good. His editing oh. style is, I love it. But it, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Is it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. He's good. Actually, I think we're going to have him on here in like uh, maybe two episodes, three episodes yes. possibly. And again, to come on and talk about his editing style. And just Dude, I'm so stoked for that. With us. That's going to be yeah, a you like killer stuff episode. Yes, it's going to be a killer episode. Um, Next week, we've got uh, Peter Peters, I think is his name. He's mm -hmm. going to be doing like, uh, it, have you seen that guy's light painting stuff? Yes, uh, the light painting oh, guy. Yes, God. bro. Yeah, he's so oh. good. He's the one that actually, like, I was looking through some of his stuff the other day, and I was like, man, I really want to go get some steel wool and some, like, stuff to go, like, paint with. And those photos I sent you last night, like, that all came from, like, seeing some of his shots. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do this. Abandoned barn, rope, a, uh, a whisk, and steel wool and a lighter. Let's go. <laughs> so now I just got to incorporate all that with the car, which uh, my kid's mom let me borrow her Yukon for the weekend because she went to the lake. So I'm going to be shooting <laughs> that this weekend. <laughs> You you won't shoot the big truck, eh? No, nah, not the red truck, man. Her uh, she's got a 2015 Yukon that's it's all murdered out, big wheels, big tires. That's I think it'll sick. be pretty cool if I can make some stuff work with it. Yeah, do it up, man. But yeah, so gear check. I know we like dove in a little bit, but uh, Mate. what is the one piece of equipment that you wish you had, like? If money wasn't an object, if you didn't have to worry about it, you could just go right now down to the store and just lay it down and be like, I want this. What is it? I just said it. The 400 millimeter F2.8. The oh, yes. $20,000 lens, mate. Yeah. There ain't nothing cheap about that bad boy. Oh, my God. The, uh, the lens head on it is like the size of my stomach. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's massive. That, that's the one piece. Um, Right now, though, over the last seven or eight months, I, I actually pretty much upgrade, upgraded every little piece of gear that I have. So Perfect. I've been pretty fortunate over the last year of the, the amount of shoots I've had to come in with me or to, to be able to do as well as like working a full-time job. So I have a lot of gear now, but for the, for the first two years of photography, all I had was this 24 to 105 mm. and a Canon 70, like the original 70. And that's all I used. 
Really? Track with, the, always... with the giant SD cards? Yeah, the CF cards. The CF yep. cards? Yes, bro. I've got, a, I've got a 5D Mark One that's got the big CF cards. And I'm like, I can't find them anywhere. I can't go down to the They're store so and buy one. Bro. They and they so only come like, I think the highest one I found was like 64 gig. And I'm like, I'll fill that up in a weekend. I have a 128, but yeah, they don't they don't get very big. Mm -mm. That's for sure. They're cool though. Those those old cameras. I say old cameras, but those first generations well, were I mean, just she, she is pretty uh, old. Mine has over a million shots on it. Dude, I need to like <laughs> I bought this one. I think I bought this one for like four hundred bucks. Yeah, sick. I was like, I probably you know, overpaid for this, but it came yeah. I probably overpaid for it, but I still haven't used it because I can't find a reader. I can't find anything that like connects to my computer. Nothing works. Really? So I'm like, yeah, it just sits in the sits in the other room. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just honestly, I got my my card reader from Best Buy. It's like fifteen bucks. Standard have to run it CF cards. It definitely Sweet. works. I may have to go I mean, like go I play with it. Walmart sells them online. Really? Yeah. Sweet. I, I might have to go find me, one. This this. When I did all my gear upgrading, from the day I started shooting, I had always dreamt of having a, a full-frame camera, and I finally got one, and I have barely got to shoot with it so far. I mean, I've done one little off-road event and, like, maybe 10 shoots in the last six months. I think I've had it about six months now. The rest has just been, like, a little, I don't know, like, trying to shoot animals and stuff like that, and that's it. But Heck oh yeah. my god, it's so good. I mean, yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't change my style of photography or the way I look at things, but like the amount of editing you can do with the thing is crazy. The amount of stuff in body you can do with a mirrorless is just like yeah. I, rent, I rented one for four days to go shoot a wedding. Yeah. And I was like, cool, you know, the wedding's on Sunday. I've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, Thursday I ended up not doing anything because it rained. Friday and Saturday was a track, you know, drag racing event, small one, bracket racing, stuff like that. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to go take it out. And I rented a 85 millimeter, 1.8 with it. Bro, if I could go buy any lens right now, it would go, it would be a uh, 85, really? 1.8. Dude, I love it. Just the way it works. Nope. The fixed zoom, really? no frills. Loved it. Would would do it again. Hey, you yeah. don't really need a super long one at the track. At the drag track. Mm. Fair enough. That seventy to two hundred would be sick to have too. If you could get one of those yeah. again, I bet yeah. you the oh, one will. you have now, you could probably still sell for like three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Do that and then go buy another used one. Yeah. So they're, they're a lot lower now. The IS two, I. How much did I pay? I think I paid 1400 Canadian. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was worth it. It's... Yeah. You know, well, people... Was, uh, oh, people look at them and they're like, oh, they're, they're so expensive. They're this, they're that. And it's... They look intimidating, right? Like, you walk up to a guy that's carrying a 70 to 200 or a 1400 or, you know, one of these big, massive lenses and you're like, Oh, great. You know, this guy thinks he's the cream of the cream. But really, whenever you start getting into it, you can buy them for relatively cheap 
you know, like obviously a thousand dollars isn't cheap by no stretch of the imagination, but it's cheaper than buying them brand new. I mean, you know, buying if, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars is way cheaper than twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine hundred, whenever they were brand new. Yeah, that's very true. And I mean, like that's literally a day of shooting racing. Very much so. You can buy, you can buy a lens for a day of shooting. It's really not that big of a deal, especially if you're someone who has a full time job as well. Like. Just take one of those days and buy it. Go shoot. Yeah. Let's go get one. Um, let's see. What do you think? What do you think is one of the hardest parts of marketing your brand? Self-doubt. Self-doubt? Yeah. Definitely. I'd say. I'd say for me at least. I don't know if it is for everyone, but like just not thinking you're good enough, which comes back to like imposter syndrome basically thinking that you're not good enough to be that or either that or getting wrapped up in what everyone else is saying and not doing what you need to do or comparing yourself to others and again not doing what you need to do so I think I guess what I'm getting at is not doing what you should be doing like not trying to put yourself out there every day yeah. I'd say the, the toughest part is to just do it literally just do it and you're going to get somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can we touch on that comparison thing real quick for just like a hot second? I don't think, yeah. I don't think comparing yourself to somebody is necessarily a bad thing, but also know that both parties are in a different part of their lives. You know, one guy may have been shooting for 40 years and he may be the number one hot ticket drag racing or road course racing photographer in the world. Um, one of the photographers I look up to, and it's goofy because he's not, he's not directly related into the race deal, but he is a fellow Canadian to you, is Peter McKinnon. Oh, me. His stuff is crazy. Like, his stuff is just like mind-blowing, right? But it wouldn't be fair to me to sit here and like compare my work to his because he's been doing this for a decade or better where I'm just a year in. Um, so comparison is good because it helps give you a, a goal. Like I want to be at his level. Oh, here I am at this person's level. Now I want to be at this person's level. And you just kind of keep stepping it up and building it up. I think, but at the same time, comparison can be a, a terrible thing because you're like, Oh, I'm not as good as this guy. I'm not as good as so-and-so. And it, it does wear on you. So I agree with you. That's exactly what I was It was agree. the second half of what you just said there. Like, when you start comparing yourself too much to other people and then you get in your head that you maybe you aren't that good or maybe you're not good enough. But really, at the end of the day, those thoughts can be pushed away just by doing, like just by trying to learn more. Instead of like that car photography group that we're both in, you see so much people asking about gear, asking about this thing that's going to make them improve instead of just going out there and shooting, mm -hmm. which that's really all it is, is practice. Like any other thing, like like with sports, like with any other type of art, the more you practice, the better you're going to get. Like for me, I am absolutely obsessed with the technical side of photography. Like all I want to do is have my images look perfect because that's just what feels good to me. That, that doesn't mean that anyone else is wrong for not being that way, but like 
I try to study every little bit of the technicalities of every single image, whether it's my own shot or whether it's your photo or the biggest person in the world, like Peter McKinnon's images. Well, sorry, he's not the biggest in the world, but he's one of the bigger guys. So like, yeah. I don't know, I try and pick out the little things that are wrong in everyone's images as well as what they did right. And then just sort of see what works for me and kind of put that back into my own work, which I know I'm not the best. I know I'm not perfect but I want to keep going for that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And man, I'm the same way. Like people tell me like, Oh, you know, you're so good at this. Like, no, I don't think I am. I've, I've still got, you know, I'm still at the base of the mountain. I want to get to the top of Everest. I want to be able to look down and go look at this and then look up and go, Oh, there's all that. I can still climb, you yeah. know? Um, it's, it's such a weird deal for me because I know there's a lot of people that appreciate my work, but there's a lot of people's work that I truly appreciate. Like I can look at it and go, that is a killer shot. Wouldn't have even thought of taking it from that perspective, you know? And I think perspective is one of those deals that sets their shot from your shot to the next guy's shot. Because I, mean, I think you and I have had this conversation I've always wanted to take like 10 photographers in my town and all of us shoot one car in one location and not move it. Park it in the middle of a parking lot and shoot it. Give everybody an hour. Cool. Your hour's up. Next guy, go in and take a picture. Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be an hour. It could be 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever the case. And I guarantee you not one of those shots would be the same. Which is sick. That's that, that right there is my favorite part about photography too. Is it's it's subjective. So what yeah. I love in photography isn't going to be what you love. And what you love isn't going to be what the next person likes. And just all the way down the line, like, there's going to be little parts that I like that you like as well. But then there's going to be, say, like, this little thing that I think is the most amazing thing in the world. You might be like, that's so lame. I hate that. And it's just, it's so subjective. Like, at the end of the day, there's so many little different idiosyncrasies in photography and I love that shit. It's literally that's, a lifetime learning process. Because that, that's what makes our industry great. Yeah. Is there's just there's so many like you said there's so many different things that you can see. I might see, you and I can be standing side by side and shooting the same thing or you know shooting the same subject, but my shot's gonna be more tweaked towards the way I like. Your shot's gonna be tweaked the way you like. You know, and well, all the way down to editing and processing and what I think makes the cut for me may not make the cut for you. And what you may think makes the cut for you doesn't make it for the next guy. That's yeah. what I love about this industry, man. It's, it's kind of funny that you said the if we were shooting together thing, because when I shoot with other photographers, I, I go out of my way to purposely not take the same shot as they did. Like I watch where they're shooting and I won't shoot from that exact angle. I make yeah. sure I shoot something different because I just... I don't know. I don't want to be the same as anyone else. I want to always be different. Dude, and I, and I am the same way. So you'll see starting line photos, right? Some tracks allow top-end shots. Some tracks you cannot go on the top end. It's a safety measure. It's whatever. And I totally get it. You know, track owner, track rules. I'm, I'm nobody. I'm not going to tell the track owner, hey, that's dumb. You should let me go down there. It's never mm -hmm. going to happen. Um, but you'll see a lot of the times daytime, while there's 10, 15 photographers at the starting line on both sides, I'll be all the way down at the end, all the way down at the end, past the finish line, getting parachute shots, 
car's coming at me at 180 miles an hour parachute just poof, <laughs> off the back of the car and i'm like boom I'll, I'll sit there all day long and take parachute shots man love those or uh you know again i'll, I'll move to the stands and shoot panning shots I'll, I'll try to find that one spot where somebody else isn't and that bugs some people and i'm cool with it i'm fine with it it is what it is yep um let's see what's the coolest slash pivotal most pivotal moment in your career like the one thing that's the most memorable like you'll tell your grandkids about it one day i don't know if i go that far but like uh Last month, I got published in the magazine I've been dreaming of since the day I started not a motor photography. Yeah. So probably that. It's a That's so cool. It, it was. Yeah. I didn't even think it was going to happen. Like the guys I shoot for, they had f- photos from other people, and he's like, "Yeah, I sent in a few. I don't know. They might pick some of yours. Who knows?" And I ended up getting a two-page spread, and then mine was like the you know, the, the image they have at the start of the magazines that says this is the story. Mine was that photo as well. And I don't know. It was crazy. I didn't expect it at all. Yeah. I think probably the most pivotal moment in my career is like walking, walking through the pits at a track and Mike Merle was like, Hey, you coming to my race next weekend? I'm like, I, I can, yeah. I mean, like, if you want me to, I can totally be there, you know. And, like, I got all gushy and, like, excited about it because this huge name, 16-time world champion, asked if I wanted to come to his race next weekend to shoot it. And that was, like, that was the moment where I'm, like, I've started to make a name and this is cool, you know. Um, that and just having that relationship with those kind of drivers is what's, I, I can't beat it. Like, I, I was on such a high mountain at that point in my life. I was like, yes. 